0: Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9:30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10:30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois 60926. We hope to see you this morning. I'd like you to turn your attention today, if you will. If you want to use the Red Bibles, turn to page 1042. If you're not in the Red Bibles, we are in Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Starting in verse 7. When we're there, say amen. Amen. All right. Starting in verse 7, Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion of the day of temptation in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my, saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said that always go... They always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Be attentive, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, and you depart from the living God, but extort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through this de- deceitful of, deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence firmly to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were, you, who were they who heard and rebelled? Was it not all those who came out of Egypt, led by Moses, and with whom was he grieved for forty years? Was it not those who had sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter the, enter his rest, but to those who disobeyed? So we are that they could so we see that they could not enter, because of unbelief, Father. We hearken upon you today. We call upon you today. We pray, Lord, that you would help our unbelief. As the scripture says, Lord, help thou my unbelief. Father, we call upon you. Help our unbelief. Father, I pray that you would bless us today. Help us to search our hearts. And Lord, help us to have un- have not, not have unbelief but to have full trust in the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. Father, I pray that you would bless us today and minister to us through this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this is a hard saying, but we must not have unbelief. And it's hard. We talked this morning in Sunday school about doing the work of God, about knowing what we're supposed to do, but then the rubber meeting the road and actually doing it. That is something that we must strive toward. It is difficult. I'll grant you that. It is difficult to do that which God wants you to do and to know it, to know what God wants you to do, and then actually do it. That's difficult. You know why? Because we're plagued by so many things. We're plagued by our own past. We're plagued by our own desires. We're plagued by our own ways of doing things. We're plagued by those things. But when we do not do that which God wants us to do, we then go down this road of unbelief. We go down this road of unbelief. I'm going to give you an example. Look, if you go outside today, look around, look around the church. Do you remember Ralph? My first Sunday, you remember that? After I was done, you paid me and I said, so when we paint in the church, remember that? Probably not, but it's three years ago. What you're seeing out there is the faithfulness of God and the promises of God. Because we held fast. God sent someone along the way to set a fire under our bottoms to get the church painted. When someone took a picture and they said, well, that church needs to be painted. We're going to send little seed money. That was God being faithful. And God was faithful through the, year, through the years as we, as we decided to try to paint this and raise the money. God was faithful. Therefore, we were faithful. And guess what? The church is finished on the outside. And Sandy, bless your heart, is working on the inside. If anybody wants to help Sandy, be available. Okay? Now, being faithful. He says in verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, he's talking about, remember it says that in the introduction of this book, to read the book of Genesis Exodus the, Genesis, Exodus, the five books of the Bible. First five, okay? I know what they are, but if you put me on the spot to say it right now, in succession, it might be difficult because my mind's going in a lot of different places. But he's talking about that. He's talking about the rebellion of the children of Israel. He says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of temptation in the wilderness. I think specifically he's talking not only about the, four 40, years that they, the 40 years that they were in rebellion. But specifically when Moses was on the mountain and they, and they crafted the golden calf. That was temptation. That was rebellion. So then that also plagues to us this thought. What is my golden calf? What is your golden calf? When God does not play out the things in your life like you think he should, what's your golden calf? What's my golden calf? What do we go back to in our lives, that is considered by God rebellion. These are things I just want us to think about. God knows you better than I know you, and God knows me better than I know me, and you know me. So what is our golden calf that we go back to when God doesn't answer the way we want him to? or when he takes too long, we feel. He takes too long. I prayed about this last month, and he still hasn't answered. He takes too long. What's our golden calf? I want to submit to you today, you find out what that golden calf is in your life, and you tear it down. You burn it up. You get rid of it. In wilderness, he says in verse 9, where our fathers tested me and tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. Do we always go astray in our heart? It's a question. That's why I said, that golden calf, you figure out what that is, that's the purpose of you going astray. That's how you go astray. Do you ever think about the the story of Lot and Lot's wife? When they pulled him out of Sodom and Gomorrah and they said whatever you do don't look back. When they're running out and she did and what happened to her? She's she basically turned and she basically died right there. Turned into a pillar of salt. You ever wondered why God said don't look back? I did. It's because when you look back at your circumstances, when things are not going well in your life, you're continually thinking about, boy, back then I didn't have any worries. Back then I didn't have to worry about that. She looked back. And usually when you look back on something, you remember the fond things of that time. You don't remember the bad times when you're grieved about what God has done. You remember the good times of a bad situation. God tells you to go somewhere, change something, and don't look back. Majority of the time, when times are tough, we look back. And we say, man, I remember when this was going on. When I, at, at, at this part of my life, things were good. Even though it was bad, there was good times. And I wish I had those times. back." God does not want us to do that. That's why she turned to salt. That's why she died, because she would have drawn Lot astray. She would have drawn Lot astray. She was not, and I believe, I believe, and some speculate that I'm wrong, but I believe, <laughs> a lot of people speculate I'm wrong about a lot of things, but I believe that Lot and his wife were somehow, some way, affected by what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, it says that they were the only ones there that were righteous before God, but that doesn't mean they weren't affected. Why did she look back if they weren't affected? You see, our life causes us to look back at times greater than, to simpler times, better times, even though those simpler times and better times, you might not have been in the Lord. So were they really better for you? What is that golden calf? He goes on. Verse 11. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. If we continually go back to our own ways, we will not enter the kingdom of God. That's basically what this is saying. If we go back to that golden calf in our heart, we will not see Jesus. It's right there. I swore in my wrath they shall not see my rest. Not enter my rest. That's for us. If we continually go back to the sinful way of doing things, we will not be with God. God sees us, then... As enemies. And we will not see God. I don't know how more clear I could be on that. Then he goes on and he gives them this encouragement. Be attentive, brothers, I want to say, and sisters. Lest there be any of you in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart that you depart from the living God... Beware. Be attentive. That's why I always say that we need to be self-examinating people. We need to think about our motives, our desires, the the way and why we do things. Why do we do things and why do we do them the way that we do them? We have to think about those things. You see, because if you don't realize or you put aside something in your heart, eventually you forget about it. You have unforgiveness. Unforgiveness becomes bitterness. But then bitterness you know you feel you have a right to be bitter because of this, that, and the other thing. So then that becomes something more. And then that, you know, and then all of a sudden you're back to where you started. You will not enter the kingdom of God. We have to self-examine. We have to be attentive. We must repent on a daily basis. I know that's foreign to a lot of people, maybe no one in here, but to a lot of people, the understanding of repenting every day is important. He says, verse 13, but extort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin talk about it today today it says well it's called today in other words Jesus said remember today is the day of salvation not tomorrow not next week not next year not when you got your life right today is the day of salvation I never understood that anyway when people say well when I get my life right I'll give my life to Jesus Jesus is the one that gets your life right you see, but that's the difference. People think they can do it on their own, and you can't. Not the right way. You can make your life better outwardly. Inwardly, it's not. Jesus takes care of the inward. So to get your life right, you have to turn to Jesus. Do it while it's today. Extort others to come to God, basically is what he's saying. So that's what I'm doing to you today, doing for you today. If you're in God, stay in God. If you're not, you better get there. Because today, you're not promised tomorrow. You're not even promised the next minute. So today is the day. Right now is the time to get our hearts right with God. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence firmly to the end. You see, if we hold to our salvation, we'll be partakers with Christ. This is all about the heart. This is all about what our heart has to do with it. James, we 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 talked about James in Sunday school. James chapter 3 talks about taming of the tongue. You know, I feel that the tongue gets a bad rap for a bad heart. And I say that because the scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our heart is wrong, our speech will be wrong our life will be wrong. If we are not right with God, in the heart, everything else will be wrong. But if we are right in the heart, everything else will be right. We have to be right in the heart. We have to be right in the heart. If we hold firm to that salvation, and what I mean by that is, do you remember when you got saved? I do. Do you remember the day? Do you remember what it felt like? Those are the things you hold on to. You, you remember the weight lifted off your shoulders. You remember what it felt like to have that quote-unquote spiritual hug from God. You remember those things. You hold firm to that because it keeps you going. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Do you know the voice of God? Do you know what he sounds like? Do you know what his voice sounds like other than anybody else's, including your own memory, your own own speaking to yourselves? Because we do that. And I, and I remember when I was learning this, I struggled with the idea, well, maybe I'm not hearing from God, I'm hearing my own desires. I'm hearing my own thoughts, my own voice. We talk to ourselves sometimes and we say the things we want to happen. We want that new car. Well, you know, God says, you know, if I ask anything in his name, he'll give it to me, so that's mine. God says I can have it. Is that really God or is that me? So you have to know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of our own desire. The voice of our own conscience. Do we know the voice of God? How do you know the voice of God? Well, I've said it so many times, so it doesn't hurt to say it again. When you pray and you give God all your petitions and you give Him all your praises, you shut up for a while and you let God speak. And then God's voice will become clear. It will be distinctly different, not necessarily in cadence and accent and tone and all that, you know, like all the movies from the 70s. Jesus wasn't British, by the way. If you watch all those movies from the 70s, Jesus of Nazareth and all those, Jesus was not British. So understand that it is not going to be anything like that. It's, you're going to know that it's the voice of God, you're going to know that it's more than just yourself you're going to know that it's from God. Do you know that? Have you heard that voice? If you haven't, I extort you to find out what it sounds like. For you were they who heard that... The, for who were they that rebelled? That heard and rebelled? It was those who came out of Egypt led by Moses. Now, this is interesting because... Moses was sent to deliver his people. They, oh boy, they, they were all behind Moses. They wanted out of that slavery. They wanted out of Egypt. What did they do? Remember in the wilderness? They rebelled because they looked back. Do you remember those stories? Boy, back then, we, back in Egypt, at least we had meat. At least we had this. At least we had that in Egypt. At least we had. At least we could do this. Totally forgetting about being horsewhipped. Totally forget about being worked to death, and those that died around them. Totally forgetting about those. But when we were in Egypt, we had this, and we had this, and we had this. You see, they rebelled, and we are not. We are not. Uh, we, we can do that as well. We can rebel just like they did. Boy, when I wasn't a Christian, I would go ahead and do that. I wish I wasn't so I could punch that guy in the face. Boy, I wish I wasn't a Christian so I could go in that thing, go in that bar and just have a beer, just relax. Those kinds of things. I've known people that have uttered those words to me. Nobody in this room. But people have uttered those words to me. Boy, I wish I wasn't a Christian because if I, I, I've had one of those weeks and I would just go have a beer. That's not... You're looking back. You're looking back. You're putting your trust in something other than God. God doesn't want that. Verse 17... And with, the, with whom was he grieved for forty years? Was it not those who had sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Remember that story. Three thousand, the earth swallowed them up because of their unbelief. Do you think it? Do you, do you think it made God happy to do that? No. Those were His children. Those were His creation but he's just, and he's righteous. And don't think for one second that God's gonna spare you. If you're in rebellion, and you stay in rebellion, God is not gonna give you a free pass to heaven. It's not about, well, you were, you know, 25 years following me, and the last 10 weren't so bad, so, You've got, you know, we're, we're the, the, the last 10 were bad, the, la- the first 25 were pretty good, so 25 beats 10, so you get to go ahead and go to heaven. No. No. We must be faithful to the end. That's a works-based system. When you think, well, I only had 10 years, last 10 years were bad, but I, did. I, I worked for God 25, that's got to get me in there somewhere. That's not how it works. We must be faithful to the end. They were all with Moses and God in the beginning. Let's get out of here. Let's follow God. Let's follow Moses. When times got tough, they rebelled, turned away from God, turned away from his presence. Even though God showed up every day Every day, God showed up and provided miracles. Every day. Cloud by day, fire by night, parting of the Red Sea, manna every morning, except for Saturday, except for the Sabbath. Manna every morning, quail when they whined about it. God gave them quail, showed up every day and yet they rebelled. Is that me today? Is that you today? Do you rebel in your heart? Those who disobeyed can be us who disobeyed. The writer of Hebrews is writing this in conjunction with Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy so that they can understand and see from history how God is just. And we can see from history how God is just. We are not immune to the wrath of God. I don't care what any famous preacher tells you. Oh, you don't have to do anything. You're in, you're, you're in with God. No. No. I'm sorry, you can walk away from the presence of God. You can walk away from your salvation. You can end up in hell, even though you are saved. Unconditional eternal security is not even a precedent in Scripture. We are not immune. So we must follow God. We must stand firm. We must self examine. We must repent every single day. We must. It is not an option. Verse 19. So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. Moses couldn't enter the promised land. And the Bible says about Moses... That God and Moses had a very, very close relationship. No one had a relationship with God like Moses. But yet Moses couldn't enter the promised land. Why? Unbelief. It all stems back to when he was told to speak to the rock and he was angry with the children of Israel and he smote the rock. That is an act of unbelief. Because of that, because of his rebellion, because of when he came down from the the mountain and he destroyed the tablets that God created because of his anger at the children of Israel, those kinds of things is what caused him not to be able to enter the promised land because of his unbelief. We know what God made him do, right? God still told him what the Ten Commandments were, but God made him chisel them out this time. I did it. You destroyed them. Now you're going to do it. You're going to redo it. So Moses had to redo it. Not God. God didn't let him get off easy. Just like, just like Abraham, or, uh, Adam, and, Adam and Eve. God still loved them, but they didn't get off easy. They had it easy in the Garden of Eden... When they rebelled, they, they didn't die physically, but they didn't have it easy. God said, "I ain't providing for you anymore. You got to grow your own food. You got to grow you got to you got to make your own clothes. You got to do what you got to do. I ain't doing it for you anymore." He said that to Moses. "I already did those tablets. You destroyed them. I ain't doing them anymore. You got to do them." And God's going to do the same to us. I've walked with you. You chose not to, so I ain't doing it anymore. You cannot enter here. No unclean thing shall pass over there, the Bible says. And if we are unclean, we will not be there. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And it starts with unbelief. It really does. Why do you think that that person in the, in the gospel asks the Lord, Lord help thou my unbelief? Because that's where it starts. That's where rebellion starts. Do you ever watch those movies? I watch movies from time to time, not much with the kids but if they want to infiltrate something if they want to infiltrate a company or a, not a company, but like a military company or something like that, they start with unbelief. They start feeding them unbelief. And how do they do that? little bit of truth and a whole lot of lie. Feeding unbelief, getting them to do something that they don't even realize what's going on. Hitler did that in World War II. That's how you, change, that's how you foster unbelief. That's how it starts. Then you begin to lose faith in that which you are sold out to. And then you're not believing anymore. This is what's happening here. This is what will happen here and we will be apart from God for eternity where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, fire that will never end. That's what will happen. I don't want that. For me or you. So I'm extorting you today to stand firm. To hold fast to your faith. Hold fast to the ways of God. Do the work of God. Know His voice. Know His ways. And it's easy to say it. listen, Listen, I understand. You're down there, I'm up here. It's easy for me to say, do it. But it's not so easy from time to time to actually do it. I know this. I understand this. But yet it's there. And we have to. So that's my challenge for you today. Stand firm with God. Stay with God. Allow God to do that which you need to do. Allow God to work with you. Father, thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your will. Be with us. Help thou our unbelief and minister to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May may he turn his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Trust in Jesus. That's what this is all about. Trusting in Jesus. This whole sermon could be summed up in one question. Do you trust Jesus? That's the question. Do you trust him? I pray God bless you today, minister to you, give you a good day today. Give you a good week this week. And Lord, be with you. Protect each and every one of you. Protect Wayne's hands and knuckles and all that stuff from taking that organ apart. And uh, protect us and minister to us. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.